You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Bayshore this morning, and it's good to see everybody. And I know we got some people back from Easter. Hey, so good to have you guys back with us, and we're glad that you're here. And what a great Sunday we had last weekend. Over 1,200 people at Bayshore campuses last weekend, and we're just excited about the people that the Lord is helping us to reach. And we're just so glad that you're here this morning. Today is a special message. It's a standalone message, and that means it's not a series. This is just today, and then next Sunday we start a new series But we're going to be talking about our serve day that's coming up uh, on uh, April 29th, Saturday, April 29th, 8 to 12. And the title of my message today is Improving Your Serve, Improving Your Serve. That's the name of the message. And when you hear that title, if you're like me, I'm a tennis player, so I'm thinking about a tennis serve. And that is a big deal, a tennis serve. Uh, some of you play tennis. Uh, let, let me ask this. How many of you play pickleball? We got some pickleball players out there. I know we got some pickleball players. And Fenwick Island, I know you guys are joining us right now. I know we've got a lot of pickleball players there. But I'm a tennis player. I love to play tennis. And uh, so I love that game. I play every week and uh, love it so much. It's what I, you know, it's my second, uh, my second passion in life besides my wife, Karen. I just love playing tennis. And uh, the serve is very, very important. If you've ever tried to play tennis, you've discovered that that is the hardest part of the game. And it's the most important part of the game. Here's what one pro said, Griffin Jackson said, Seasoned tennis players and fans will know that the serve is the most important shot in the game. Sure, ground strokes, consistency, and net play are pretty significant too, but the serve outweighs them all. And that's a big deal. Percentage of first serves that go in is a big deal in tennis. If you have a high percentage of first serves that go in, that really helps you in your tennis game. Number one player in the world, I think, is uh, Novak Djokovic. Uh, He's an interesting guy from Serbia. Uh, His first serve goes in 65% of the time. 65% of the time. My first serve goes in 5% of the time. So anyhow... Uh, it's, a, it's a big deal. I took a lesson a few years ago uh, at Sea Colony with a guy named Alex. And some of you know Alex if you've been to Sea Colony. And uh, I, I had a series of lessons and I uh, was working on my serve. And he said, uh, he said, Danny, when you toss the ball, you're dropping your arm too quickly. You need to leave your arm extended. And uh, we got a picture of Novak Djokovic here. And notice how his arm's extended. You're supposed to extend your arm, bend your knees. And uh, he says, you're dropping your arm. And I said, listen, Alex, you know, you're a great guy, but your eyes are bad, you know, because I know I'm keeping my arm extended. Well, he got a little videotape of me, and sure enough, I'm dropping my arm. And so uh, he charged me another $50 for that comment. But anyhow, it was, it, it's, you know, getting your serve better uh, is important in tennis. But getting our serve better in our church is very, very important. If we ask the community, how good does Bayshore Community Church serve a community, our community? I think that would be a great question. I know every Wednesday we feed people here and we are all about serving. In fact, as Jeremy mentioned, the announcements, our three-pronged vision is number one, connect to God. 
connect to others and serve the community. If you walk out into the foyer, you'll see on that big blue, ball, blue wall those uh, three phrases, connect to God, connect to others, and serve the community. So today we want to talk about serving the community. How can we serve the community? When I first came here a number of years ago, I was grateful that I had a church that wanted me to come. I was 23 years old or so, and uh, this church, when I came here a number of years ago, had a lot of financial problems. And uh, what they did to kind of like deal with the financial problems is that they had these chicken dinners every quarter at the fire hall, the Gumber Fire Hall down here. And what they would do is they would, uh, people would get there, they would work and they would make these chicken dinners and they would invite the community to come and sell them the chicken dinners in order to pay their bills. And I remember the first controversy I had as a pastor was the chicken dinner controversy. And I said to the, the church at that point, and I said to our board, I said, I don't think we should get the, the community to pay us. I think we need to serve the community, and I think we need to quit having chicken dinners. And, uh, and, and one guy said, this church will never survive will never survive if we drop the chicken dinners. And the chicken dinner controversy was a big deal. I remember that. And I pushed the envelope a little bit. I said, well, the reason we have to have chicken dinners is we're not giving and supporting the church financially. And there was a great silence. So, you know, when I think about the church, what the church's role is, the church's role is, is not to get things from the community, for the community to give us stuff, but our mission is to give to the community. And so we wanted to change the paradigm of our church in the beginning that we would not be a church that got the community to give us things, but we would serve the community, connect to God, connect to others, and serve the community. That's a big deal. You know, one of the, ways we, one of the reasons we serve the community is we want to demonstrate the love of Jesus to our community. And it says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, but God demonstrated his love toward us. The word demonstrate there in the Greek, if you're not new, if you're new to the church and new to Christianity, the New Testament was written in Greek, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and so sometimes we get those words under the English to understand it better. The word for demonstrate in the Greek is sunistomy, and it means to provide evidence through action. To provide evidence through action. How do we show our community that we love them? We do it through showing them action that demonstrates that we do love them. And so that's what our serve day is all about. Perhaps you've heard this. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. How many have ever heard that before? And uh, some people think John Maxwell made that up. And I'm a big John Maxwell fan. I've had the privilege of meeting John Maxwell a couple times and big leadership guru in America, and I love John Maxwell. But John Maxwell didn't say that. It was Theodore Roosevelt that said that. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we want our community to know that we care about them, that we love them, that we are passionate about serving them, that we want to be a blessing to them. And when we serve, we serve our community in the name of Jesus. There's a lot of humanitarian organizations out there that are doing good in our community, and that is absolutely incredible. I love when people are helping people. 
because God cares about people. But it's easy for a church sometimes to just do humanitarian goods without doing it in the name of Jesus. Everything that Bayshore does for our community, we do it as a representative of Jesus. Not just people out there, good people doing good things, but we represent the heart of Jesus toward our community. And so serving our community has to be done in the name of Jesus has to be done in the name of Jesus. And our food pantry, we serve people every week, hundreds and thousands of people through the year. And we always do that in the name of Jesus. The Lord is dedicated, is, is, is a very much a part of that feeding ministry. Here's what it says in Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father through him. So when we're serving our community, when we're raking uh, the, the, uh, the, the area at the nursing homes, when we're helping the schools that we're going to be helping on the 29th and the different things we're doing, when we're doing that, we are doing that for the Lord. There's a very distinct difference between humanitarian work and what we do. We do it in the name of Jesus. We go as a representative of the name of Jesus. And whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. We serve our community to transform and change our community. The community that we live in, this is a great community. People are moving here because this is a great place to live. Let me ask you in Fenwick Island, let me ask you right now here at Millsboro, how many are glad that you live in this community? Say a big amen. Give a, just give the Lord a big hand for where you live. You could live in New Jersey. I'm telling you, you live here. Some of you came from New Jersey and we're glad you're here. But this is a great place to live. And the way it will be and continue to be a great place to live is when we as church love our community and serve our community. We serve our community to transform and change our community into a wonderful, godly place. Here's a, there's a little, there's not a little church, but a big church in Cincinnati, Ohio, the Vineyard Church. And it used to be pastored by uh, 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 Stephen Sorzen. Uh, I think that's how you say his name. And he wrote a book called Conspiracy of Kindness. And that church revolved around serving their community. And on the side of their building, this big church in Cincinnati, Ohio, are these words emblazoned in the cement. Small things done with great love will change the world. Small things done with great love will change the world. Would you say that with me? I'll lead you in it. Small things done with great love will change the world. So that is what we want to do. We want to change our world through loving acts of kindness. We have a wonderful uh, young man in our Femic Island campus, Zach Hess, who has uh, caught the vision of us serving our community. Uh, Zach is a, uh, you know, a, a, like a manager, uh, an executive for Verizon, and he's a big blessing to us, Zach and his wife, Ashley, and their children. Zach uh, has got a vision for our church to go into our community and partner with a lot of different organizations in order to help our community. And he'll be starting a small group on creative ideas of how we can serve our community. And if you're interested in that, you can find uh, his small group on our a kiosk or our webpage. 
So we want to be an agents, agents of kindness to help people. And one of the things that will happen as we reach out in love to our community, we'll be able to win our community. Now, here's what I believe. I believe the Bible says in Romans, love should be sincere. Love should be sincere. And what that means to me is, is that when you serve a person or you serve your community, you're not looking for anything back. It's not manipulation. It's not, we're doing this and you better get saved soon. We're doing this to show the love of Jesus and may the grace of God gradually grow in people's hearts in our community that they'll come to the Lord. Because, and when, you, when a church gets the vision of serving the community, they will have success many times in winning their community to come to church and be discipled for Christ. Now, my favorite uh, airlines is uh, Southwest Airlines. Uh, I have some airlines that I've flown on that are really, really bad, that I haven't enjoyed so much, but I always love Southwest. Let me ask you, how many have ever flown on Southwest? Just raise your hand. Love Southwest. I got snowed into Nashville, Tennessee one time. I was on a trip into the South and I got snowed in for like a day and a half and I was flying on Southwest and they just took such good care of us and it was, they're, they're fun and the culture is fun. They have 10 things that they do when they interact with customers. One of the things is they quit looking at their computer and they look at you eye to eye. The other thing they do is, is they, if they get stumped on a problem, they'll keep you there and they'll find somebody to help you solve your problem. And they've got 10 things that they do. But the culture of their company is about people, not airplanes. Here's what it says. Colleen Barrett, who is the, one of the presidents, President Emeritus of Southwest Airlines. Here's what she says. We are in the customer service business. We just happen to fly airplanes. We're in the customer service business. We just happen to fly airplanes. I love that. Uh, and another, she says it in another way, Southwest is a company of people, not a company of planes. And then the, the founder, Herb Koheller, he says, the business of business is people. The business of business is people. Let me, let me just have you say this with me, and I don't have you always do this, but I want you to say this with me. Bayshore is about helping people. One more time. Bayshore is about helping people. And one last time, Fenwick Island, join us right now. Bayshore is about helping people. Now, there's always a benefit when you have a people-first attitude. Here's what has happened in Southwest Airlines. You know, they started in Texas. In 1971, they had three airplanes. Three airplanes in 1971. They flew to three cities in Texas with 12 daily flights. They had 198 employees. In 2014, remember in 71, 1971, they had three airplanes. In 2014, they had 700 airplanes. They flew to 97 cities and 3,600 daily flights. They have 46,000 employees, and they're number one in the domestic market. And they have 42 years of consecutive profitability. And they've had zero layoffs in their company history as of 2014. So is there a correlation between helping people and loving people and the success of Southwest Airlines? There's always a correlation in any organization or any church that is about loving and helping people.
And that's what we exist for as a church. So we want to give with great grace and great uh, ministry to people. Let me just go over some of our projects before I get into a few little things at the end of the message here to talk about uh, why we serve. there's a, let me, these, uh, if you put up, pull out your cards, it kind of lists the things that we're going to be doing on the 29th. And this is going to be an annual thing for us. If you pull out your cards, there's a, there's a, the first one that you'll see is the Sturba home. That is a young or not a, a wonderful lady. That's a part of our Femic Island campus that has a bit of a handicap and we love Carol. She's amazing. And every time I go to Femic Island, she just it's full of the Lord. She's there all the time. And we're going to be uh, working on our house, power washing our house and taking care of our yard. And she's unable physically to do that. And so we're going to be going to that house and serving uh, on, on Saturday, the 29th. The town of Millsboro, we, we're parting with the town of Millsboro. Uh, Millsboro is one of the fastest growing uh, towns in, in this region and in, in America. It's just growing so fast. And we're going to be going through the streets of Millsboro and picking up uh, trash. We're going to be cleaning all the uh, parking lots at, at the malls and the areas uh, in front of Roses and in front of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the gym and all the areas in Millsboro. We're going to be cleaning those up. And, uh, and I think this is a wonderful opportunity for you as a family. If you're thinking, you know, I'd like to get my, my adolescents kind of like out of their own little world and looking at their looking at their phone all the time and to have them partner with you and a bunch of people from Bayshore just cleaning up the town. Then we're going to be helping uh, Phillips E. Shaw Elementary School. There's a picture of Phillips E. Shaw Elementary School. We may have some people here that have students in that in that uh, school. We're going to be, they have a new bridge there that they put uh, there and we're going to be staining the bridge for them. They also are going to be putting in a new water system there and we're going to be cleaning the area for where the water system's going to go. We're going to be helping our Millsboro Police Department. Uh, What we're going to be doing is we're going to have teams here at Bayshore that are going to be making bags of encouraging things for policemen. There are all kinds of goodies in there and we're going to make these bags and we're going to deliver them to the policemen. They already know we're coming and we're going to serve them in that way. Then there's the Brandywine Retirement Home. Uh, some of you have been over there by Bayside, the Brandywine uh, Retirement Home. Um, they, they got their own landscape and we don't need to help them. They're looking good over there. But uh, we're going to go, they've invited us to come in. To There's some people in there that never get visits. And we're going to love on them. We're going to visit them. We're going to play some board games with them. We're going to minister to those people. And so if you're saying, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do landscaping. If you'd like to go and help uh, in the nursing home that morning, we're going to be working out there. Also the Georgetown nursing home, which is the Harrison house, uh, nursing home. We'll be going into that uh, nursing home. Actually, we're going to be cleaning their courtyard there. They have a courtyard where all the people in wheelchairs come out to, and it's really messy, and we're going to clean that up for them and make it look real good. And then uh, the Pallet House in Georgetown, Ruth King, who is one of our representatives at uh, Legislative Hall that comes to our church, helped us get this connection. And uh, there's a place in Georgetown where, where people that are homeless, there's a place where they can go. These houses, little houses have been built, and uh, they are, uh, they can go there and they can stay for 30 days and then they're evaluated 
to see if they, you know, how they're doing with their job searches and all that, and they can, that time can be extended. But I talked to the director there, and they, the people don't have anything to do, and they want, they want books. And so we're going to be uh, getting a, a bookshelf, making an outdoor bookshelf for books to be stored for them on that day. And we've got some ideas on that. If you've got some skill, we probably want a couple of those, so we need some help with that. And then the crisis ho- home in Georgetown will be cleaning up their facility and helping them with that. So those are some of the things we're going to be doing. And I think all that sounds like really good stuff that we can do on a Saturday. Just go in to make a difference in our community and bless our community. And uh, so we're grateful for, for your help in that. So before we end the message today, and this is not the end, but when we get to the end of the message... We want you to hold up the card and pray over it and say, Lord, how can I serve? And some of you may want to say, hey, I definitely want to do the nursing home thing, or I want to do the landscaping thing, uh, or I want to help build the bookshelf, wherever you are in that. Or you may just say, wherever you need me, you know, I will be glad to do that. So helping people and serving people is really uh, what the kingdom of God is all about. And I think about the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And remember that story? This guy had a a real physical need and he's there sort of on the side of the road. And the Bible says that a Levite, uh, or first as a priest goes by, and the priest sees the poor man, he's been robbed and beaten, and he's in terrible condition, and the priest goes by, and the reason that the priest goes by is because the priest is on the way to the temple in Jerusalem. Jericho is just a short way, 17 miles from, the, from, the, from Jerusalem, so he's heading up to Jerusalem, and he has an appointment in the temple. And so he goes by and, and just ignores the need there. And then you've got a Levite who is actually assistant in the temple. He's on his way to the temple as well to go to the temple to help uh, take care of the need uh, or take care of the, his ministry in the temple. And he sees the man that's in need and he kind of turns a blind eye as well and he goes in the opposite direction and doesn't really pay attention to him. And he goes on the other side of the road. And then Jesus likes to just kind of like create a little bit of controversy He says a Samaritan came by, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. They figured they were mixed breeds, and they were uh, they had you know all these uh, problems with their their theology, and they didn't believe that in the right things. They didn't believe in all the books of the Old Testament. They wanted to worship in the north, and you're supposed to worship in the south. They had all these theological issues, so the the Jewish people had rejected them, and so Jesus makes a hero, a hero out of the most. Um, theologically inept person in the story. And the man stops and he gets down where the man is. He picks up his bloody body and he pours oil and he pours wine into the man's wound. And then he takes two denarii and he pays the innkeeper to take care of him. Now, here's the point of the story. The point of the story is you have a priest. And you have a Levite that thinks that real ministry happens in the temple and doesn't happen on the side of the road. And you have two individuals in the story that think that real worship and real ministry is in the temple with some kind of worship and ritual toward God. But you have this Samaritan that bends his knee in toward the need of, at, the, at the point of the day, and he ministers to that. And here's the thing that we have to watch out for. 
Listen to this. Here's the uh, takeaway phrase today. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to help somebody practically. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to help somebody practically. When somebody is thirsty, they don't need a verse of Scripture. They need a glass of water. When somebody's hungry, they don't need a worship song. They need a sandwich. When somebody is in need and they're lonely, they don't need a devotional given to them. They need somebody to sit and hold their hand. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to help somebody practically. I want you to say it with me. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to help somebody practically. One more time, everybody in Femic Island, everybody here. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to help somebody practically. Here's what the story also says. The Samaritan said that he had, the Samaritan took two denarii, which a denarii would represent one day's wages. So whatever you would make in two days. He took that amount of money and secured the Holiday Inn Express for him and put him in there. And servant, serving people always cost us something. Serving people always has a price tag. But here's what I've discovered. When you serve people, it will cost you something, but you will always get back more then you invest. When you help somebody, when you reach down and you minister to somebody, you give them something they need, and as you're giving out, your heart is getting full. And here's my saying, you've heard me say it before, you cannot help another person without helping yourself. When my dad, uh, when I first came here, my dad, who was a pastor, he was a Methodist pastor, and uh, then an independent pastor, and and I remember the day that I came here 40-some years ago. I'm unloading the, the stuff into the mobile home we lived in, and then I had a little box of books, and we're walking in to this little, the old building that used to be there, into the little office they had there, and I'm putting my little box of books on the shelf there. My dad said to me, he said, Danny, if you ever get discouraged in ministry, if you ever get down, you ever get discouraged, you ever get like a little, like in the mulligrass because of, you know, stuff you're dealing with, he said, just go to the hospital, walk down the halls, just go into some rooms and begin to pray for people and encourage people and love on people. And he said, your discouragement will go away. Well, after about three months here, I about lived in the hospital, I'm telling you. It was hard. I mean, I was not making many friends quickly. But you know what? He's right. You cannot help another person without helping your yourself. The, the book of Proverbs says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So when you look at the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, you got two people in the story that think ministry is only theoretical, it's only spiritual, it's just sort of like mystical. And then you got one person that gets it that illustrates that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do 
is to help somebody practically. And then one other story that I think is relevant to this is the feeding of the 5,000, which is in every gospel account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The feeding of the 5,000, you've got that story where, you know, the people have been with Jesus all day. He's been teaching them, ministering to them. That's definitely a part of the kingdom of God, teaching and ministering. And then the disciples came to Jesus and said, you need to send these people away because it's late in the day and they need to go home and get something to eat. And then, and then Jesus said, you need to feed them. Because they were thinking, that's not our job. Our job is ministry. Our job is teaching. Our job is, you know, teaching the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, you need to feed them. It's not a either or like we teach the Bible and we don't do social work. It's a both and. We teach the Bible, we worship the Lord, but we also serve our community and we help our community and we feed the people that don't have enough food on every Wednesday. They come here and they come here and they, some of, it's, a, it's a deal breaker for some of these people that show up. And you're giving, by the way, when you give, we buy groceries and we get groceries donated through the food bank and all that. We work hard and where there's always food here to help people in our community that need food. And that sounds a little bit like what Jesus did. He said, Jesus fed the people that were hungry. And how many know that if you believe this, I want you to say a big amen. How many believe that God cares about hungry people? Would you say a big amen? amen. He cares about hungry people. So Jesus fed them and they took what they had and they didn't have a lot. They had a little bit of, little, little bit of uh, bread and then they had a little bit of fish and they gave Jesus what they had and Jesus multiplied that. And some of you, your schedule's like really tight. You don't have a lot of energy. You don't have a lot of margin. Your Saturdays are special and all that. And, uh, and, and sometimes God calls us to give our time and give our energy. We hear a lot in church about giving your money and all that, but sometimes giving your, giving your energy and giving your time after a busy week and on serve day when you give your time, God will take that little bit of time, that little bit of energy you have, and he'll use it to bless other people that need to be blessed. And finally, the last story, there's a, you got the Good Samaritan story, you got the feeding of the 5,000, and then you got Jesus, the last thing he did before he went to the cross was he washed the feet of the disciples, washed their feet. And, you know, in those days they had open sandals. They didn't, you know, had dusty roads. And, and so uh, the disciples, you know, they got into that place. And when you go into somebody's house, the lowest servant, the, the lowest guy on the totem pole, not servant number one, not servant number two, but servant number three, the lowest servant was responsible for washing the feet of the guest. And the disciples looked at each other and they saw the dirty feet. Nobody's volunteering to do that. Nobody's raising their hand to do that. And then Jesus took off his outer garment, which is probably a symbol, probably in John's gospel, a symbol of him divesting himself of his divine prerogatives. And he kneels down and he takes the dirty feet of those disciples and he begins to wash those dirty feet. Now, can I ask a personal question? Do you have a spouse that has smelly feet? Does anybody have a spouse that has smelly feet? How, how many? You are that spouse. I mean, and you, can you think about the Son of God washing the feet of these disciples? 
a job that nobody else wanted to do. And kingdom work and serving the Lord sometimes is doing what nobody else wants to do. And Christians roll up their sleeves and they get involved and they serve and they help and they do a job that no one else wants to do. And that's how I learned, am learning servanthood in my marriage. You know, when Karen and I first got married, uh, you know, we, you know, I was, you know, she's gorgeous and I was lucky to snag her. And so I got Karen and I'm so excited. And I remember the first time she got sick, she got the flu and she got really, really sick. And we're living in Florida and, and uh, you know, she was a homecoming you know, attendant queen, whatever. She's just absolutely beautiful. But she looked, had the flu and she didn't look like a homecoming queen that day, but uh, she was, she's still beautiful. Even that she's listening online and you were beautiful, honey. I want you to know that <laughs> you're always beautiful. I want you to know that, but she got sick and she's running to the bathroom and she didn't make it to the bathroom. And she what shall I say? She just had a protein spill all over the carpet. And can I gross you out? It was shag carpet. How many remember shag carpet? And I thought, whoa, wow, what is this? Uh, Karen's sick. She's sick on the floor. Who's going to clean this up? When I was a kid and I got sick, my mama... My mama cleaned up everything. In fact, when I got sick, she'd put a little towel on my forehead as I was hanging over the toilet, flowing up. She would just dap my forehead. And I thought to myself, where is mama now? Where is mama now? So I had to take care of that. And, uh, you know, servanthood is about doing what needs to be done to help somebody that you love and that you care about. We love our community. We want to serve our community. The last thing I'll say is that the Gospels teach this about servanthood. It teaches that when we serve someone, we're actually serving Jesus. We're actually serving Jesus. It says in Matthew 25, you know, Jesus said at the end of history, the goats will be on the left and the, the sheep will be on the right. And, and the Lord will say to those on the right, you know, you are blessed of my father. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you came to visit me. I was sick and you helped me. And so enter into my kingdom. And so the disciples said in the story are the people in the story and the people on the right that the sheep said, Lord, when do we see you hungry? When do we see you thirsty? When do we see you lonely and come visit you? And Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. God loves people so much that when you help a person that's in need, when you reach down and you help them practically because real ministry is not just spiritual, it's practical. When you practically help somebody, when you sit at a nursing home and you visit a stranger, you're actually ministering to Jesus because of how Jesus cares about that person. So to minister to a person in need is to directly minister to Jesus.
Francis of Assisi, the famous saint, Catholic saint, 12th century, somewhere in there. He came from a rich family, and he was, uh, you know, very, his father was a silk merchant, and so he came from a lot of money, and he had a call on his life, and he gave up all his money and helped the poor. But Francis of Assisi, you know, one of the things that happened to him before his big conversion in life was he had this abhorrence toward lepers. He, he just was just, it was just something he, he couldn't bear to look at a leper. He couldn't bear to even, you know, be around a leper. And he just was so afraid of lepers. And one day he's riding his horse down the road and he sees a leper walking his way. And Francis of Assisi climbs off his horse, and for the first time in his life, he embraces his fear. And he goes to the leper, and he puts his arm around the leper, and he kisses the leper on the cheek. And the leper holds out his hand, and so Francis gives him some money. And he turns around, and he mounts his horse, and as he gets on his horse, he looks, and the leper's gone. And in Francis of Assisi's diary, he says that he believes that the leper he helped was Jesus, that Jesus showed him to help anybody in need was to directly minister to Jesus. I want you to say this with me. When I help anybody in need I am directly ministering to Jesus and the last thing I want to nail home today is sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is to help somebody practically so our serve day is a new paradigm shift for our church and I want you to take these cards take them out and I want you to hold them up and I want you to this is a short list next year when we do this after Easter it's going to be a big list we're going to be dreaming about how we can help send hundreds of people in our community and when you get done praying for this when you leave today there's two kiosks in the foyer and there's actually three but there's two in the middle we got staff people there to help you you can go up and sign up today before you leave and we'd like to have a couple hundred people signed up today just sign up on the kiosk Femic Island same thing the kiosk is there or you can go online or you can go to the website and find us and there's a way to sign up and as you sign up we'll get ready for what we need to do let's hold these up before the Lord Lord help us to be a church that helps people practically. Let this be a new emphasis in our church. Let this be a new beginning for us as a church. Let all of our campuses be empowered to serve our community. And may we serve our community in such a way that people see Jesus. We pray that you'll bless us and we ask you to guide us as we choose the place we're to serve, the nursing home or uh, to help with the bookshelves or whatever we're supposed to do. We pray that you'll guide us in this, and we thank you for the privilege of serving. Thank you for the privilege of serving. I thank you already for the people in our church that are already serving in the food pantry, visiting people, praying for people. We thank you for that, but now as we engage in this new endeavor, we thank you for helping us as we serve you on serve day. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Amen. 
Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.